I uh, had some garlic in the uh, curry I made last night, and uh, now I've got that mask on. I'm not really enjoying the uh, the smell. I wonder if garlic sales have gone down uh, since lockdown. I don't know. Anyone else have ever had that problem with garlic? No? Maybe it's just off old garlic. Right, if you want to follow along with the passage, it's on page 1076, John chapter 10. Um, I've spent all this week thinking about famous gates. I'm a bit sad like that. Anyone recognise this one? Bill. How about that one? Gareth. Gates Gates McFadden, we have another Star Trek fan down here, Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher in Star Trek The Next Generation. What about this one? Brandenburg. Brandenburg. Oh, now I know you've all heard of this one. That is Watergate, the original, the office building in which the Democratic National Congress has its headquarters and which was bugged by uh, President Nixon. Hence why everything now has gate added to the end of it. Now, if I started to tell you a story about public transport, you'd probably call to mind some experiences of, I don't know, waiting on a platform for a train, or breathing in the fresh air on the tube, or sitting on a not very clean bus Wondering if there'll still be something stuck to your bottom when you stand up. If I mentioned Diana, Princess of Wales, who would have turned 60 next week, I imagine a whole host of things would come to mind. You might think of her work with landmines. You might remember, I wasn't born, you might remember her wedding to Prince Charles. You might remember her interview with Martin Bashir that's been in the news recently. All sorts of things would come to mind just from the words... Diana, Princess of Wales, or public transport. Now, exactly that same thing happened when Jesus used the figures of speech in our reading this morning. Everyone listening to him knew what he was talking about. Because they'd all grown up in the same villages, the same towns, with sheep all around that Jesus was talking about. And the problem for us is that we don't know that context. People didn't write much about life in first century villages, or if they did, well, we don't have it anymore. For example, some people think in that reading you may have spotted words like sheepfold, there's a a sheepfold, there's a gate, that those words could actually be translated as courtyard and door. The story goes, or the, the idea goes, that most families would have owned a handful of sheep. Might have been one, might have been three whatever, and kept them overnight by their house in a little courtyard attached to their house with a door. Then, because they couldn't afford their own shepherd, and anyway, they only had a couple of sheep, what they would do is the families would club together and they would share a shepherd. And then in the morning, the shepherd would arrive and they'd recognise him and so they'd open the door and the shepherd would call and the sheep recognised the voice and so the shepherd would go from house to house collecting sheep. Others think that instead of one shepherd and multiple courtyards, there were multiple shepherds and one large courtyard. Every morning, the shepherds would arrive and call out, and the sheep, 
that belonged to them, that they looked after, would sort of go towards them. And then the other sheep would go towards the other shepherds. A bit like, I don't know if you've ever seen a playground when the bell goes after break. And suddenly, this incredible mass of children, within about 30 seconds, becomes a very neat and orderly set of lines. Or at least it did when I was at school. I, I assume that's what still happens. They do still do that at Florentine, at least. I can, when you hear the whistle go, you can, look, you can sort of see them all. <gasps> and then the neatest line gets to go in first. Still others think that Jesus here is talking about the open countryside, a bit like this one where sheep would be gathered together overnight, not in the village, but out in the open country, and the shepherd would sleep across the entrance. Then if you can see the shepherd there, just at the bottom, sleeping across the entrance. Literally becoming a gate. That might explain how Jesus can be both a shepherd and a gate, although from what he says, he's more the entrance, isn't he? They're going in and they're coming out. You don't go through the gate, you go through the hole that the gate goes into. It gets a bit confusing. Oh, it's happened again. <sighs> Ray's looking knowingly at me. Let me just uh, hotspot my laptop again. Sorry, everyone. My iPad occasionally decides to lose the uh, pages of my sermon. <clears throat> Right, Let's see if that works. Low data, oh dear. <laughs> well, that's made it even worse. It's now lost all the pages. <sighs> right, let's go into a different way. have all six pages. Wonderful. Where was I? Gates. Now all that stuff is quite interesting for uh, Bible geeks like me and uh, I don't know if you're first century geeks as well uh, but we don't know. We don't know exactly how people looked after sheep in those days. To be honest probably all three of those Probably there were some big sheep pens where people clubbed together to put their individual sheep. Probably those individual courtyards. Probably the ones in the open country. They're probably all true. But the thing is, if we needed to know those things to understand what Jesus was teaching, then it would be in the text. John would have told us, but he didn't. Which means all that stuff, it adds a richness to our understanding, but it doesn't affect the meaning. Now, next week, we're going to be thinking about Jesus as the shepherd. So some of the stuff in this passage will relate to that. But the question today is, what on earth does Jesus mean by saying that he is the gate? Well, the first thing, or door, the first thing is security. Now, I don't know if you've heard about the one-armed security guard. He was ever so good at protecting things single-handedly. Jesus says that he is not like, in verse 8, he is not like the thieves and the robbers who have come before. They, he says, verse 10, want to steal and kill and destroy. Whereas Jesus, the gate, keeps the sheep safe. 
Gates provide security, don't they? Um, If you know the vicarage here in Abington, you'll know that it is completely lacking in security. Anyone can simply wander around the back of our house, and sometimes do, because there is no gate protecting the back garden at all. Jess doesn't like dogs, but if she did, we wouldn't be able to have one anyway, because the other thing about gates is they stop things getting out. And it would just run off if we had a dog. Because gates provide security in both directions. They stop thieves getting in and stupid animals getting out. Jesus is, verse 7, the gate for the sheep. That is, he's the security and we're the sheep. We are the dumb animals who just wander off and who need protecting from thieves. And one of the things I've been reflecting on this week is what security means and doesn't mean. Sheep enclosed in a pen with a gate are protected from thieves. They're protected from wandering off. But these sheep are not really protected from the weather, are they? They're not protected from storms. There's maybe a little bit of protection from the walls, but they'd certainly get very wet if it started raining. Sometimes we might hear the Bible's promises about protection, for there are many of them, and wrinkle our noses a little, thinking of all those times we wanted protection from this or that bad thing, but it happened anyway. And that's why I've been thinking about sheep huddled together in the sheep pen while there's a storm raging Because one day, friends, those storms will cease. God will wipe away all our tears, as he promises. There will be no pain and sadness. But until that day, we will know something of those things. But Jesus will carry us safely through them to the other side. Like the shepherd lying across the gate. No matter what storms might rage, Jesus the gate promises to keep his people safe from the enemy and from wandering off. It's our heavenly security guard, although he has two arms. Our reading today ends with one of the most famous sayings of Jesus. If you have a look in uh, verse 9, I am the gate, Jesus says, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Gates don't simply stop stuff from happening. They're also an opening a way in and a way out. This is one of several exclusive claims that Jesus makes about himself. He doesn't say, I'm one of the gates, pop through me if you feel like it. He says, I am the gate. The gate. There is only one way to life, and that is through Jesus. The fullness of life that he came to bring is only available through Jesus. He is the gate and he opens up to us the way of life in all its fullness 
But what is that life in all its fullness? Did Jesus come to give us a set of perfect rules and if we follow them we'll have a wonderful life? No. There is a family way of life? Of course there is. Jesus uh, warns us not to behave in certain ways that are harmful and encourages us to behave in other ways that are good and kind and helpful to others. But the essence of that life is far simpler. And Jesus hints at it here. But look further back in verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. At its heart, life in all its fullness is knowing and being known by Jesus. He brings us into a new family with a perfect father, better than all earthly parents. And he gives us a spirit to help us live as sisters and brothers in this new family. And that life will one day be ours in full. One day. But we can have it in part today. If we come to Jesus the gate, he will let us in. You see, life in all its fullness doesn't mean leaving Jesus over there in a church building or on a Sunday morning. Life in all its fullness begins with life in relationship to Jesus. Not at certain times or in certain places, but everywhere and every when. It means learning his voice. Notice how the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. So they don't follow the wrong shepherd. How do you get to know Jesus' voice? You listen to him. We read the words that he says. We pray, we encourage one another. We learn to listen to his voice so we can follow whenever and wherever he calls us. We're starting to stray into next week when we look at Jesus being the good shepherd. The question for this week, though, is this. Here's a gate. Which gate do we want to walk through? Do we want to walk through the Jesus gate through which we find life in all its fullness? Or another one? Which doesn't. Amen.